the Hamlet podcast, episode 118. We come now to the last scene of this incredibly long day. It began all the way back in Act 3, Scene 1, and it will have taken us over a year, well over 50 episodes, to get through what must surely count as one of the most extraordinary days in all of literature. To be or not to be, get thee to a nunnery, Hamlet's advice to the players, the mousetrap, the closet scene with Gertrude, the ghost's reappearance, the death of Polonius where he hid behind the curtain for a second time in a day, and his body's subsequent removal, have all been on this same day. It's really quite mind-boggling when you lay it out like this, and it's not quite finished yet. We have another few episodes to cover. Claudius enters this scene... Act 4, Scene 3, with some attendants, explaining what has been going on. These are, we can assume, the kinds of attendants in court that he mentioned in Scene 1, as he explained that Polonius's murder would have to be carefully explained. Here he says, I have sent to seek him and to find the body. How dangerous is it that this man goes loose? Yet must not we put the strong law on him? He's loved of the distracted multitude, who like not in their judgment, but their eyes. And where tis so, the offender's scourge is weighed, but never the offence. To bear all smooth and even, this sudden sending him away must seem deliberate pause. Diseases desperate grown, by desperate appliance are relieved, or not at all. In this we get another insight into Claudius's policy. The first line needs little explanation. He has sent Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, with others, to go and find Hamlet and the body. How dangerous it is, he insists, that this man, Hamlet, is still on the loose. But, Claudius explains, we must not put the strong law on him. He is loath to send his heavies to drag Hamlet to prison or to punish him too severely. Why? Well, the answer is a piece of information that we've never heard thus far. Hamlet is popular with the people. He's loved, Claudius says, of the distracted multitude. Claudius shows his own hand here. He can't resist the jibe, saying that the multitude, the people, must be distracted, whether confused or bewildered, in their love of Hamlet. They like not in their judgment, but their eyes. They base their opinions on appearances rather than rational thought. In cases like this, where popularity is a concern, he says that the offender's scourge is weighed, but never the offence. The populace will be more concerned about Hamlet's sentence than the crime for which he might be punished. Claudius is very shrewd. He is not about to cause too much trouble for Denmark's legitimate heir, since that might compromise his own position, especially if Hamlet is the popular one. So even if he is a murderer, albeit unwittingly, Hamlet must be dealt with rather more carefully and gently. Claudius wants to bear all smooth and even, to make sure that things are dealt with in a manner that seems totally above board. Smooth and even, no ripples, no waves, no questions. As such, this sudden sending him away must seem deliberate pause, he says. Sending Hamlet off to England must seem like a careful, deliberate choice. He has given it pause. Or perhaps it could be that sending Hamlet away like this is a deliberate intervention, giving him a literal pause or a time out. It must seem 
deliberate. Remember that when we first met Hamlet, he spoke of how he knows not seems when he's talking to his mother, yet here seeming and appearing are all that concern Claudius. It's a very clear distinction between the two. For Claudius, this is a desperate time, and desperate times call for desperate measures. Or, as he says himself, diseases desperate grown by desperate appliance are relieved, or not at all. If Claudius doesn't do something desperate, he's saying, then there will be no relief from all of this. What exactly are we supposed to make of this? How desperate does he mean? If I were Hamlet, I wouldn't rush to get onto that boat to England. But now Rosencrantz enters without Guildenstern or Hamlet. The desperate king asks what's going on. How now? What hath befallen? And Rosencrantz answers. Where the dead body is bestowed, my lord, we cannot get from him. Hamlet won't tell us what he did with the body. Claudius started the scene telling us that he gave them two jobs, and he wonders if they've actually failed at both when he asks, But where is he? And Rosencrantz replies, Without, my lord, guard it to know your pleasure. We didn't bring him in just yet, my lord, because we weren't sure of what you wanted. Claudius is surely close to blowing his top with Rosencrantz and his overdoing of everything, and commands that they bring him before us. And so Rosencrantz calls out, Ho, Guildenstern, bring in my lord. And the other young man brings Hamlet into the room. Claudius starts questioning him. No frills or small talk here. Now, Hamlet, where's Polonius? Hamlet, still happy with his pretense of madness, answers, At supper. Given that we know, and Claudius knows, that the man is dead, this answer, of course, makes no sense. But Claudius is drawn in, and he replies, At supper? Where? And in the manner we've come to expect from Hamlet, he expands. Not where he eats, but where he is eaten. A certain convocation of politic worms are eaten at him. Your worm is your only emperor for diet. We fat all creatures else to fat us, and we fat ourselves for maggots. Your fat king and your lean beggar is but variable service. Two dishes, but to one table. That's the end. We've already had many images of death throughout the play. Hamlet's father, the ghost, has been making us think of purgatory and punishment and the afterlife since the very beginning of this story. But now we start to discuss the more mundane realities of what happens to the body after death. Polonius is the first of several people who will die as this play continues. His body has been a reality, and we have been discussing it already. The king is with the body, but the body is not with the king, and so on. And now Hamlet has a rather grim moment discussing how Polonius will now become a dinner or supper for worms. Admittedly, it's unlikely that they will have gotten to Polonius quite this fast, but Hamlet doesn't resist the idea of discussing how all of us, whether we are a fat king, which might be a dig at Claudius, or a lean beggar, will end up as food for worms. We fatten other creatures to fatten ourselves, and then we ourselves become the fattened food that will fatten maggots. Whether fat or thin, king or beggar, it's variable service. We are all different shapes and different sizes and different dishes, perhaps, but we all end up served on the same table. That's the end. Of course, this is still Hamlet and still Shakespeare, and there's a whole other joke woven into all of this. 
Remember that Hamlet has been a student at Wittenberg, which was the heartland of Martin Luther's influence as Protestantism and the Reformation began to flourish in Germany. When Hamlet talks of a convocation of political worms, it's not just about the circle of life. He's echoing the Diet of Worms, which is a town in Germany, a meeting, or Diet, in April of 1521, when Martin Luther tried to justify the reforms he sought to bring to the church. We have the words convocation, politic, worms, emperor, as in Holy Roman Emperor, and Diet. The aftermath of the Diet was that Luther was deemed a heretic, but he was squirrelled away to safety before the church moved to try to apprehend him. Stephen Greenblatt's fascinating book Hamlet in Purgatory discusses this set of references in considerable detail, and I'll put more information about it on the show notes page of the website. For now, Claudius is left to answer this almost gleefully mad, macabre and political answer from Hamlet, who still hasn't actually explained where he hid the old man's body. But for what he says next, you'll have to tune in to the next episode. For now, I'll sign off and thank you for your company, and remind you you can find the show notes for this and every episode on thehamletpodcast.com. And I'll speak to you next time.